In partnership with Trauma-Free World, the International Network of Children's Ministry presents Trauma-Informed Children's Ministry, a podcast dedicated to equipping children's ministry teams in order to elevate trauma-informed care of kids and families in the church. We believe children's ministry is the most futuristic and strategic ministry of the church. When you're on the front lines of this key ministry, you need to be informed about how to effectively serve today's kids and equipped to create environments where all kids can meet with Jesus. And preparing you to do that is what this podcast is all about. Are you ready? Let's dive in. My name is Michaela White, and I get to serve as the executive director for INCM, as well as the host for this podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing how we can respond to tough behaviors with trauma-informed practices. We'll be digging into this topic with Julie Cooper and a special return guest, Kim Botto. This conversation will equip you to know how to de-escalate hard situations with kids, create greater trust with children who are communicating with their behaviors, and empower you and your teams to build and maintain meaningful relationships with kids. To help us do this, Julie Cooper, who serves as Senior Vice President of Training and Curriculum at Trauma-Free World, and I are thrilled to welcome Kim Botto back to this conversation. Kim is the Director of Training and Development at Found Village, a nonprofit that equips teens from hard places with the tools and support needed to move from surviving to thriving. She is a Trauma-Free World Affiliate Trainer and a Certified Trauma and Resilience Trainer, and she has trained ministry leaders, parents, educators, and others who work with kids on trauma-informed and resilience-focused practices. For the past several decades, Kim has led kids and student ministries at local churches while also leading initiatives around adoption and foster care. Kim, we're so glad to have you back with us again today. It's good to be with you, Michaela. Julie? Now, Kim, behavior is not an uncommon topic in the children's ministry world. You know this. Um, (laughs) However, as we've learned throughout these conversations, and they've been such great conversations, we're talking through how responding to kids who've experienced trauma just requires us to reconsider our approach. And so I was wondering if you could share a story about a time when your understanding of trauma led you to see a child's behavior in a different light and just talk about how you responded differently than maybe you would have in years prior. Oh, so many possible examples. Um, I'd say one is a couple years ago on Easter, I got a call about a four-year-old who was being in the quote was combative and not compliant. <laughs> I thought, Oh, this is, uh, let, let me go see what's going on here. And when I got there, the, the child was in the hall with his leader, um, as well as a couple staff just to protect the other kids in the room because we need to make sure everybody is safe. And he was just really angry. And so I sat down by him and tried to start talking to him. And I thought I was being very interesting and fun to talk to, but apparently he didn't because he turned to me and this little four-year-old and using numerous expletives, including the F-bomb told me to stop talking. Wow. And years ago, had a four-year-old done that, 
I would have been all about. That's not how we talk in the church. That's not how we talk to each other. But instead, the first thing I did was I took a deep breath. And then I considered what my face was communicating because my face can often communicate things that I don't want communicated. Mm -hmm. So I tried to keep a, you know, open face. And then uh, Karen Purvis, who's a pioneer in working with kids from trauma, she says, connect before you correct. Mm -hmm. So I thought of that. And so instead of immediately disciplining him, for his language, I said, gosh, it seems like you're really upset that I keep talking to you. Can you ask me in a, so that was the connection part. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, 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 I'm validating his feelings. He's angry because I'm talking. Mm-hmm. And I said, can you ask me in a kinder way? And so he sat there for a few minutes. Of course, everybody's watching. They're going, there's no way this kid, she's, he's just going to cuss at her again. So he sat there for a minute and then he turned to me and he said, will you stop talking, please? And I said, yes, I will. So the two of us sat there in the hall and after several minutes, then he started talking. He liked the shoes I had on. He talked about my shoes. Um, He talked about some different things. Then in the midst of that conversation, I found out about some really, really hard and unimaginable things that this precious little four-year-old had been through. So. His mad, it wasn't really mad. He was really, he was sad and he was hurt. Mm -hmm. And if we had immediately called the mom when this child was behaving in what we considered not acceptable, or if I had immediately gone to discipline, which I would have years ago before being trained on trauma-informed practices, we would have missed out on sharing Jesus with this kid. Yeah, We would miss, and then when the mom came, and she saw me sitting in the hall with her kid, you know, immediately her head went down. Mm. She knew we were going to say something negative about her child. So when she came up to me and I said, oh my gosh, we have been having the best time. And I told her about, he told me what they were going to do this afternoon, what he hoped they were going to have for lunch. And she started crying because this mom was not used to picking her child up and having positive things said over him. So just the simple, so so as we're as we're talking about training volunteers, just something as simple as connect before you correct, like connect with that child, validate their feelings. And then there are often things that do need to be corrected. Like we can't be dropping the F-bomb in preschool. Right. Um, so we need to correct it, yeah. but we need to connect first. And I believe that's how Jesus disciplines us also. It's so good, Kim. An important story for us to keep in mind. And I think, you know, Julie, as we come alongside our teams and preparing them for, you know, building these connections with children, they will navigate tough behaviors. That's a, that's a reality of being in an environment when we're around a lot of kids. So, you know, could you give us some practices or tools that we could use that are effective and good for that child? Mm, Absolutely. Um, we will absolutely see big behaviors, maybe from all kids, they're kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but kids with these histories of trauma, kids who have um, had to defend themselves, kids who may have sensory issues, we are more likely to see that. And the, the first key to remember is for us as volunteers, as teachers and adults, a dysregulated adult can never regulate a dysregulated child. Yeah. 
So if we see big behavior and our very first, we're angry, we ourselves start to get dysregulated right there, we're probably going to need to tap out and ask somebody else to come in and intervene. Otherwise, what we do is we end up triggering that kid to bigger and bigger behavior, whereas our focus needs to always be de-escalation and maintain connection. So the tool I'm going to suggest is actually to compromise with children. And I'll just say the biggest fear about compromises is that so many of us as adults have such a fear of being manipulated by children. It's a huge fear. And frankly, I think we kind of try to theologize it. I made that word up by (laughs) trying to put it into theology and say like, well, uh, they need to learn respect and they're going to learn it from me. And then they're going to go out into the world. And that's really not what it's about. We know that kids learn respect in respectful situations and we can be that person. So uh, using a compromise is about helping them use their voice, you know, and we think about, we teach kids about prayer. What is prayer of petition? It is me trusting Jesus in relationship to use my voice and ask him to help me, Mm -hmm. ask him to meet my needs, ask him to help difficult situations change. We ask kids to do that in prayer. We can model it in behavior ourselves. So the compromise is when we, we teach kids, we can teach them when it's calm. We teach them nothing's going on. We teach them when it's calm. Hey, I just need you guys to know your voice matters to me. And if there's something that's making you uncomfortable, you're feeling upset, or or you don't feel like you have a choice that feels good to you, I want you to know you can ask me for a compromise. Yeah. Like we just let them know. And at the beginning, they won't have any idea what we're talking about. They're like, okay, I don't know what she's saying. But then when you start to see those big behaviors come, we can intervene with, hey, you know what, buddy? It looks like you're upset about something. It looks like you'd like to ask me for a compromise. And we'll help him know. Maybe, maybe he's not done building his Lego tower and he doesn't want to go on to the next thing, whatever it may be. Looks like you want to ask me for a compromise and he'll kind of look at you like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. A compromise is where we make a different decision together. It looks like you'd like to ask me, Hey, you know what, Miss Julie, I'm not done with my Lego tower. Um, could I, could I just keep building it and not go to whatever it is, story time or craft time. Now I still have the power to say yes, no, or whatever to that child, but I'm actually teaching him You don't need to use your behavior right now. You can use your words with me. And I can say, you know what? That that is actually a great compromise. I understand your tower's awesome. I know you don't want to leave it. Um, it, Here's what might work. Like, how about you have five more minutes on your tower and then we'll push it to the side and then maybe you can work on it later. How about that for a compromise, right? We work together. That A teaches him, you have voice with me, just like I'm telling you, you have voice with Jesus. Yeah. And we're also aiming to keep our classroom de-escalated, um, to keep that child engaged in what we have going on. So while we may fear that's being manipulated, he's going to keep doing it, he's going to keep doing it. Remember, these are kids who come from difficult pasts of abuse and trauma. They have not had experiences with adults that have shown them their voice matters. That is really what we're doing. This is an intentional strategy. This is not us being manipulated. So compromises are super powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's something great. It's a skill that we need as an adult. Think of yes. when we're adults and our boss gives us this new project that we simply can't do along with the other things. So then we can go to our boss and make a compromise and say, I can definitely do this project. But then mm-hmm. this thing that was due Friday, 
I'm actually going to have to push that back by two weeks. And we're not just training our kids to be compliant in the moment. We want long-term character transformation. And that's a, so Julie, I love compromise. You know, it's interesting because the skill to negotiate our needs, it's recognized as a, as an adult skill for adults who are um, competent and have self-efficacy, but it starts in childhood. Um, The ability to negotiate your needs, it starts in childhood. So uh, it's not being manipulated. It's teaching them a skill they need for life. You don't, and you don't need to use your behavior. You can use your words to negotiate your needs. Yes. Oh, that's so good. You don't have to use your behavior. You can use your words. And I I love Julie, how you connected it to the practice of the prayer of petition. Exactly. You're connecting it not only for their long-term health and their long-term ability to to function in healthy ways, but you're also connecting it to a healthy view of God. Um, and so this Who wants is, to hear from us. Exactly. exactly right. It's exactly yeah. right. Um, okay, Kim. So, you know, we've discussed the value of finding compromises. What do you feel like is another approach that we could use when we're experiencing tough behaviors? Well, when we look at, especially kids from trauma, they often haven't had many choices in their life. So they feel like their life is just totally out of their control. Mm -hmm. So offering them choices is a great way to give them, to share the power. And I know, Julie, you were talking about people being worried about being manipulated. And I've had, you know, leaders tell me, well, why should I give them a choice? I'm the adult and I'm in charge. I'm like, right, you are the adult and you can actually help them build some skills And by giving them a choice, uh, for example, well, Julie used the tower example, and that was a compromise, but could also be, yeah, um, you can either build your tower or you can come to craft time, which you want to do. Or let's say that um, they go and take a toy from another kid. They take a bear from another kid. And rather than just getting on them for taking the bear, we can connect with them hey, I see that you really wanted to play with that bear. And, but we, we, don't, we don't take toys from other kids. But look, here's a blue bear over here you can play with, or here's a kitchen that you can go and cook me some macaroni and cheese in. So giving them choices, and it is amazing how often just offering them that choice will help, it'll, it'll deescalate those big emotions in them because they're going, oh, I do have a choice in this. And it just opens up the door for increased relationship. And then I would, I would say another one is uh, power of yes. I think as adults, my gosh, what are they, what do they say with a toddler? They hear no, it's an incredible amount of times per day. How many is it, Julie? 400. Yeah. I'd, unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. So what we can do is instead of saying no, I mean, think about when somebody says no to you. I texted somebody the other day and he asked him to go to lunch and the reply was no. Like that was the reply. Immediately, oh. I felt shut down. <laughs> I felt, you know, and um, turns out they were in the middle of a meeting and they did then text back later. <laughs> but no stops conversation. Yeah. So if a kid says, can I have a snack? Instead of saying, no, it's not snack time. We go, Absolutely, you can have a snack. As soon as we're finished um, with small group, we'll go have a snack. Or if they say, hey, I want my mom. You say, you are going to get your mom. As soon as this hand on the clock gets up here, your mom will be back. Giving choices and the power of yes 
are other great tools to have in our tool belt when working with all kids. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I appreciate so much about our conversation so far is how simple these practices are. Also how logical they are. When you stop to really think about it, it makes so much sense to approach kids in this way. Um, and Julie, you know, this, as we think about our volunteers and, and those who are on our team that are going to be working with kids, these are practical. These are, you know, logical practices, but I think there's still that uncertainty of the moment and that, that feeling of like, we might say it wrong or we might do it wrong. It could be, is sometimes, you know, for our volunteers, that's a, that's a bit debilitating. Um, and it may even prevent people from joining our team, you know, that, that uncertainty. So for adults, you know, but also for children, you know, I'm wondering what would you suggest as a practice or tool, um, so that our teams can feel more confident and the kids can experience consistency from those adults. What would you suggest? Yep. Establishing scripts. Um, this works this works beautifully. And this is so important, as you said, Michaela, in the moment. Um, so when that big eruption happens, when something happens and I, I want to stay the regulated at all, I do, I do, I do, but boom, something happens and I'm triggered. I'm a human, right? None of us are perfect. When we practice scripts, I don't have to go into, I don't have to go into impulsive respond mode because I already know what I'm going to say. So let me unpack that just a little bit, how it works, right? With scripts, you know, you as your children's ministry, as your volunteer team, you pick a couple of those behaviors that you're coming up against week after week after week, and you create a strategy around them. Um, so what I talked about with compromises, hey, it looks like you'd like to ask for a compromise or do you need a compromise is better because we want scripts to be short. So, hey, do you need a compromise? That might be something we just teach. We teach our team to say. Um, when you start to see something going down, a kid doesn't like the options he's been given. Hey, do you need a compromise to remind him? Okay, I can use my voice. We practice it because in the moment, again, we talked about impulse. In the moment, that's when we go to like, it, how many times have I told you not to whatever, take the bear from the child? And we start like just talking from impulse. And that's usually nothing but just more dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Scripts give me a plan and we all respond the same way. Another great example of a script is just, hey, no hits, no hurts. So we teach it to our volunteer team, but we're teaching it to our kids so that they understand. The great thing about scripts is they set they set some boundaries for how our community is going to work. Yeah. Right. Sounds like you need a compromise. Hey, we use voice, not behavior. No hits, no hurts. We don't hurt other people. And then all of our staff team, no matter who's coming in and out, we have a sub we're all going to respond the same way. That consistency allows kids to come out of their fear brain into their learning brain. And that's where they really connect consequences with behavior. So using scripts is, um, it's really powerful. I've seen them work so well. That's good. Um, Julie, when it comes to the kinds of scripts that we can use, what's some pointers you would give to a leader for Mm -hmm. how to create them or build them for their their culture? Yeah. So um, folks can probably even Google the idea of um, life scripts, but here's just some keys. They need to be short. Mm -hmm. The shorter, the better. When kids go into that dysregulated fear brain, they only have the ability to process about 10 words at a time. 
Okay. So if we're launching into some big triad on their behavior, or how many times we've talked about it, we've wasted all of our words. Scripts yes. are short and they're aimed at positive reinforcement of the positive behavior that we want to see. Like, so a, a script is not stop lying. <laughs> that, that would not be cons- considered um, the right kind of script. It might be, it might be instead, Hey, remember we tell the truth. Yeah. Right? So we want to, we couch it in the positive. It has to be short. And then this is probably the biggest key, Michaela. It's not delivered as a threat. Mm-hmm. How I, you know, I can say, Hey, no hits, no hurts. No, nah, that kid's still in fear brain. He can clearly hear my voice and see my eyes. Instead, I deliver it regulated, maybe even playful, uh, which goes a little bit against some of us as adults, but maybe even playful. Hey, remember, no hits, no hurts. I've actually just triggered safety in that child yeah. by the way I interact with them. And now rather than me looking like this angry person who's just come, I'm like, okay, I'm, I just, I've come as this reminder. Remember how we act here. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. Um, I think for those listening, just the practical tools that you've given and the pointers that you guys have provided, this has just been such an incredible episode that I think is going to give us a lot to think about as children's ministry leaders and how we guide our teams in navigating tough behaviors. So Kim, as we close today, I'm wondering what your final encouragement is about how we respond to these behaviors. What do we need to remember as children's ministry leaders? I think one thing as we work with kids is to remember when a child is having a big emotion or a meltdown, a quote I heard once was, they're not giving you a hard time, they're having a hard time. And if we look at it like that, our approach to them is going to be totally different because we see them as a kid who needs help. And they're communicating in the only way that they can. They've often lost their words. They don't have words to articulate it. So they're communicating through their behavior. So as we are curious, as we seek to connect with them before we correct them, again, we are helping them regulate and we're helping them find the words. And when I look at you know, the way Jesus disciplines me, I'm disobedient. Um, I have meltdowns. And he doesn't send me to time out or call my parents mm-hmm. every time I mess up. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus is a great role model. Yeah. And instead, what he does is he offers grace. He draws us close. Um, and so we can do that, too. We can respond with truth and grace as we're being a compassionate investigator and really digging beneath those big and sometimes difficult behaviors that we're seeing in a kid. It's really an amazing opportunity that we have. I mean, think of these kids that have gone from place to place where they didn't feel safe. They didn't feel listened to. They didn't feel like they had any control. Can you imagine if church is one of the first places then outside of their home where they start to realize that, oh, they do have choices and their voice does matter and that they're deserving and worthy of good things. It's transformational and not just for us, not just for the kids. It transforms us too. That's right. That's right. How we handle tough behaviors can lead to changed lives. Right. So grateful for you guys and the wisdom in this conversation today. And 
thankful for those listening. Uh, We do hope that this conversation equips you to elevate trauma-informed care in your children's ministry. In our next episode, Julie and I will be diving into the final episode of the season for this podcast as we discuss our roles as children's ministry leaders in advancing reconciliation as we care for wounded kids. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss this episode. To learn more about INCM, you can get connected to what you need to serve kids and families at incm.org. And if you're ready to take intentional steps forward in trauma-informed care, connect to the resources from our partners at Trauma Free World at traumafreeworld.org. We're so glad you joined us today. We're here to support you and we're cheering for you always, friends.